This morning, we're going to be talking about fit for purpose. But what is fit for purpose? Well, the definition from the Cambridge Dictionary, fit for purpose is something that is fit for purpose, does what it is meant to do. Okay, that's pretty simple. A definition from a legal perspective, fit for purpose means that a good or service is suitable for a particular purpose. This can be required by law or in a contract. But the best definition that I saw um, was from an article in LinkedIn of all places. Fit for purpose is something that is good enough to do the job that it was designed to do. Something that is good enough to do the job that it was designed to do. It's a slight change in perspective from the one from the Cambridge Dictionary. But it's possible that something that is fit for purpose isn't actually doing what it was meant to do at that point in time. It might be good enough, it might tick off all of the criteria, but until it's actually employed for its purpose, it only has potential. It's still great, the design might be elegant, the measurements precise, the craftsmanship outstanding, but it might just stay unused on the shelf. For example, a mechanical watch needs to have all of its parts precision engineered, otherwise it won't work at all or it will gain or lose time. It is a precision uh, piece of equipment that has parts that moves cogs that spin and they have to be done at exactly the right measurements, exactly the right width, exactly the right um, um, uh, 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 notches in, in its cogs. Each of those parts are precision engineered. They are designed, they are fit for purpose for that watch. They've been specifically designed and engineered to exacting standards to be fit for purpose. If one of those perfect precision parts lies gathering dust on a shelf, it is still fit for purpose. If you put it in the watch, it will work perfectly. But outside the watch, it isn't fulfilling its full potential. That which it was designed for. Everything that God makes is fit for purpose. All of creation is precise and perfect and fit for purpose. Just right for there to be life. The, the earth is exactly the right distance from the sun. And we have a moon that, that, that does amazing things, that's, that's circling the earth in exactly the right way, and at exactly the right distance to do what God designed it to do. Everything is just right for there to be life and ecosystems and symbiotic, symbiotic relationships in plants and animals. Everything that was done. And, and when we get to the creation of mankind, of, of human beings, God said that it was very good. We see how perfect everything is in nature and trees and, and animals and plants and, and the the, the tides and, and the rain and everything that God has put in place does everything that it was designed to do. But God said that man was very good. We are a masterpiece. We are precision engineered to be able to do everything that we can do, to think, to, to act, to design, to plan. Everything that God did in us when he created us was perfect, precision fit for the purpose that he designed us to be. <clears throat> Even 
the law was fit for purpose. We know that the law um, basically falls down because mankind, sin, yeah, okay, because mankind is sinful. But the law was perfect. The law was exactly what God designed it to be. It was the best thing that God could put in place for the age that it was in. Because without the Holy Ghost in people's hearts and people's lives, sin cannot ever be truly eradicated. Without a, a sinless sacrifice, we cannot ever live a, a victory above sin and above death. But while it could never forgive sins, it was perfectly engineered by God for its desired purpose. The book of Romans talks about um, the law in Romans 7 and 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. No, I had not known sin but by the law. For I had not known lust except the Lord said, You shall not covet. Romans 7 and 10. And the commandment which was ordained to life I found to be unto death. Romans seven twelve. Wherefore the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. And Romans seven fourteen. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. So, in all of those um, in, uh, looks at the law there, the law was not sin, but taught what was right and wrong. It was ordained to life, it was holy, it was just, it was good, it was spiritual. It was fit for purpose for its time. And the best thing that God could have put in place. The fact that people struggled to fulfill the law spoke more about the sinfulness of mankind than the law itself. Jesus' death on the cross to fulfill the law was fit for purpose. It was the only plan that would do the job that God needed it to, to make a way for sins to be forgiven, to make a way for people to be able to live above sin and walk in righteousness and holiness. The only thing that could remit or take away sins was a sinless sacrifice to take its place. And Jesus was the only sinless being to walk this earth. His sacrifice for us, for for we who just seem to be worthless, is was perfect. It was fit for purpose. It was perfectly designed and engineered. And what about the church age? The book of Ephesians talks about this in Ephesians 2 and 11. Wherefore, remember that you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, it's speaking to the Ephesian church, they were Gentiles, they were not Jews, they did not have the law, they did not have any hope under the Old Testament uh, way and faith. That you being in the time past Gentiles in the flesh who were called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, there was... There was always friction. There was always um, 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 a conflict between the Jews and the Gentiles. That at that time, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. You didn't have the law. You didn't have any hope. And strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made near by the blood of of Christ. For he is our peace. There's no conflict. There's no wars. Who has made both one, Jews, Gentiles, completely different things. The, the Gentiles believing in, in other gods and believing in multiple gods and, and believing in all sorts of, sorts of stuff. And the Jews believing in the one true God. 
He's our peace. He's made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Everything that was segregating us, everything that was making us two and, and, and broken and, and unable to reconcile has been broken down. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of two one new man, so making peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them which were near. We all need peace. For through him we both have access by one spirit under the Father. There's no more multiple ways. There's no more having to become a Jew. But God has put something in place where we can all, wherever we come from, whatever our background, whatever the junk we've been through, we can all come and be one in him. Him, We both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers or foreigners. You're not worthless. You're, You're not without hope. But fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. We're in a building. We're in a building which God has put in place, in whom the, all the building fitly framed together grows unto an holy temple in the Lord. Fitly. Everything is perfect. Everything is designed for a purpose. Everything is put in place so that it does exactly what it is meant to do. In whom... You also are building together for an habitation of God. We're, we're, we're a building where we're, we're collectively we're something that God wants to dwell in, a place where His Spirit and His presence can be felt when we work together, when we come together, when we are the church of the living God, for an habitation of God through the Spirit. The church age is fit for purpose. It is fitly framed together. It is holy. The church was designed to bring all who would respond together in peace and in harmony. Even if nationalities within the church were at war or traditionally at war, God would make peace and it would be a witness to the world round about because that does not happen in the world. There are, there are old hurts, there are old things that, that, that can't, people can't be in the same room together. But in the church, there's something different. There's healing. There's power. There's power to overcome. There's, 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 there's things that God puts into us and into place and he removes all the junk and he gets rid of everything that we, that is not good for us or, or for anyone around us. God designed the church as a place of healing for all who would respond. The design of the church is perfect and fit for God's plan and God's purpose. The Bible itself is fit for purpose. There is no other book that has been written over thousands of years that has such an impact and an effect on people's lives. It speaks to every single generation. It's not old. It's not something that, oh yeah, that that was nice for that time. But it has power. It has the ability to change lives and hearts and minds. The Bible is perfect. It is fitly framed together. It is fit for purpose. What about another example from the Old Testament? First Chronicles 7 and 11. All these sons of Jediel, by the heads of their fathers, mighty men of valor, were 17,200 soldiers, fit to go out for war and battle. 
And in First Chronicles 12 and 8, And of the Gadites, they separated themselves unto David into the hold, to the wilderness men of might, and men of war fit for the battle, that could handle shield and buckler, whose faces were like the faces of lions, and were as swift as the roads upon the mountains. In these two passages, these men were men of war. They were fit for purpose. They were, they were designed. They, 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 they were able to do valiantly in any war, in any conflict that could come, they could come across. But they didn't suddenly wake up one day and suddenly realize that they could be a mighty man of valor or that they had suddenly become a mighty man of valor just out of the blue. They were mighty men of valor because they had trained, because they were battle-tested, because they had come through with flying colors, because they went above and beyond their training on the battlefield and they were able to conquer any fear that they felt. When God makes us fit for purpose, he trains us, often without our knowledge. He battle tests us by taking us through trials and situations. He calls us higher and higher to fulfill our calling. But we need to accept our calling. Too often, God has already been making us fit for purpose, but we have refused to accept it. This could be because we are afraid, or it could be because we want to go in a different direction ourselves. We don't like the direction we're going in. Or it could be because we can't see how we can become the end product that God sees in us. And all of God's investment is in danger of going to waste because he invests in us. A lot of the junk that we go through, it's to make us fit for purpose for he wants us to be. It's not because he hasn't called you. It's not because he doesn't have enough power to bring it to pass. It's not because you're unable to become what he has designed you to be. It's simply because we refuse. We don't allow God to keep doing his work in us. It's not pleasant. It's not comfortable. Yeah, that's because God has to make us into what he, we, he wants us to be so we can be fit for purpose, so we can be what he designed us to be right from the very beginning. Bible talks about um, Jeremiah saying that he called Jeremiah from the womb. He knew, he had a plan for Jeremiah. He had a purpose for him. He knew, he looked into the future and he said, hey, I need you to do this. This is very important. I need to prepare you right from the very womb, from, from the very beginning of your life to be my, my servant, to do what I need you to do. Simply because we refuse. We don't allow God to keep doing his work in us. We fight him every step of the way. It's not because he doesn't believe in us or that he doesn't have our back. It's because we don't believe in him or in his word to us. Don't you think that if God says something that he means it? God has never lied to anybody yet and he's not about to start now. Lying is completely against his nature and his core principles. If God lied, that, that's never going to happen because it's so far against who he is and, and what he is, that it, it would never, ever happen. Don't you think that if God says something, that he's more than able to bring it to pass? The problem is that the sticking point is us. Isaiah 29 and 15 says, Woe unto them that seek deep to hide their counsel from the Lord, and their works are in the dark, and they say, Who sees us and who knows us? Surely your turning of things upside down shall be esteemed as the potter's clay. 
For shall the work say of him that made it, he made me not? Or shall the thing framed say of him that framed it, he had no understanding? God, you didn't know what you were doing when you made me. You didn't know what you were doing when you called me to do this or to be in the church or, or to follow me. He knew exactly what he was doing. Is it not yet a very little while and Lebanon shall be turned into a fruitful field and the fruitful field shall be steamed as a forest? And in that day shall the deaf hear the words of the book and the eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. The things that you didn't think could ever happen, they will happen if we just allow God to do what he wants to do in our lives. The Apostle Paul in the book of Romans talks about God raising up wicked leaders to show his power against wickedness. And then he says these words in Romans 9 and 19, you will say then unto me, why does he yet fault, find fault? For who has resisted his will? No, but O oh man, who are you that replies against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why have you made me like this, like this, basically? Has not the power potter over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another to dishonor? Well, this passage is particularly talking about how some people point fingers at how God shows mercy to some people and not to others. It also applies to God molding us to his purpose as well. We don't have the right to question God about his calling or the way he is shaping us into who we need to be. Whether or not we like what vessel God is making out of us, he knows better (laughs) and has a perfect plan for our lives and our future. Everything that God makes is precision. It's perfect. It is designed. It is fit for purpose especially our lives. He's a perfect plan for our lives and our future. He has the right to form us whichever and whatever way he likes. He's God. He doesn't do things because he is mean or has a wicked sense of humor. He he is perfectly just and gracious and all-knowing and everywhere at once, which means that he has perfect judgment. So many times we look back in our past with hindsight and think, if only I had done that a different way. Or if only I hadn't done that. I can't believe that. I should have known better. You see, hindsight is almost always perfect. People talk about perfect hindsight. It's happened. You can, it's obvious after it's done what should have been done or in what way it should have been done. It's a head-slapping moment. After the mistakes have been made or the wrong assumptions have brought about disaster, it's easy to see what should have been done and the best way to do it. The thing is, God is everywhere at once and created time, so therefore he lives outside of time. He has perfect hindsight and foresight because he is already there. And he doesn't make mistakes. That's why God was able to call Gideon a mighty man of valor when he was threshing wheat in secret to hide it from the invading armies. There was nothing mighty about that act. Little to no valor in it. In fact, most of Gideon's early acts were driven by or based on fear. Not something you would associate with a mighty man of valor. But God knew what type of man Gideon was and how we would be able to use him later. And Gideon was willing to listen to the voice of God and grow. 
We can be our own worst enemy sometimes and cause God to need to start reshaping and molding us again from scratch to fulfill his will in us. Yeah, that can happen if we're stubborn enough and if we fight him every step of the way and make the wrong decisions. If we deliberately rebel and do something stupid. In Jeremiah chapter 18 and verse 1, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house. And there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred or or, um, made useless, basically. It was broken in the hand of the potter. So he made again another vessel, as seemed good to the potter, to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter? Saith the Lord, Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. This was God's people. They had rejected God. They had turned away from God. They had gone and worshipped other gods. They had rejected God. But God was saying, You're in my hands. I can start again. I can work against you again. I can make you fit for purpose. I can do what I want to do in your life. You may have made these mistakes. You may have walked away from me, but you can still be fit for purpose. God needs to mold and shape us into his vessel for his specific purpose. God has a, a purpose and a plan for each of us. You know, we talked about Gideon. We talked about God seeing the future, when Jesus was calling his disciples, he didn't call anyone that looked like they were worth anything. He called fishermen, one of the lowest of the low in in the, the social classes. He called a tax collector, which was hated of all of the Jews. It's, it's not, they, they, they weren't disciple material. They weren't some, they weren't people who, uh, a master in those days, a teacher, um, would, would want to have in their class. He called a zealot, which was uh, someone actively um, um, uh, rebelling against the, the Roman rule, the, the leadership of that time. And he called all of these people who seemed to be worthless, who seemed to have no value, who seemed to, to not make sense to be disciples. God saw the future. He saw what they were going to become. He saw their purpose. He saw their future. He saw how they would respond. He saw that they were able to be fit for purpose for his kingdom. And God mightily used the disciples after he died and rose again. There were pillars in the church. God has a purpose and a plan for each of us. God never makes junk. Everything he makes is fit for purpose. Things that you have gone through and are going through are making you fit for purpose for God's plan. You're going through some junk at the moment, you're being made fit for purpose. God is using that to bring you into the place where you will be able to be used of him more mightily. Something that is fit for purpose could be broken and unable to meet that purpose until it is repaired. 
God can remold, God can reshape, God can repair you, even if you don't feel like where you should be. You can't make yourself fit for purpose. Only God can. Spiritual things belong to God. They're coordinated by God. We can't by our apparent power, our own spirit or our own understanding, make ourselves fit for purpose. That's why churches that, that, um, that, that, that look to works to make themselves righteous, it's completely off base because spiritual things belong to God. We cannot do spiritual things in our own carnal mind or flesh. We have to do it in, under the will and under the leading and the guiding of God. They belong to God. They are coordinated by God. You might want to go in a particular direction. You might feel called of God to go in a particular direction. But if that's not what God designed you to do, if that's not what God has been molding and shaping you to do, you will just get frustrated because you're pushing against the will of God. You're trying to go your own way. Even if you believe that it's the will of God, we can be wrong. We're human. God isn't. He knows the best. He knows he knows the perfect way. He knows what he's trying to do in you. Nothing comes as a surprise to him. You will only get frustrated. You will push against the will of God and it will only be rectified if you align yourself with God's plan and not yourself. God's plan for your life might not even align with what you see as your skill sets. You can't say, I'm good at this, so I'll end up doing this for Jesus. It doesn't always work that way. In fact, it very rarely works that way. So you can't say, I'm good at talking, or I talk endlessly, so I will become a preacher. That's not how it works. <laughs> Just because you're good at talking doesn't mean that God wants to use you in that way. To witness, yeah, but you may not be ever be a preacher. God gets more glory if he uses you outside of your skill sets and your comfort zone. Because you can easily think that you've been used of God mightily by your own power and your own skills and your own thinking if you're naturally good at what you do. And God won't share his glory with anyone else. Because when he uses us, it's his power. It's his glory. We cannot do the things that he does. He knows everything. God might call you. Oh, sorry. It's the same when you think that you are unable to be used of God in a particular area as well. God might call you to be something in the church that is so far away from who you think you are that it's not funny. And he might have stretched you in those areas or still be stretching you in those areas to make you fit for purpose. And it will feel uncomfortable. It will feel unpleasant. You might be want to be anywhere else than where you are right now. But if God is calling you, who are you to say no? If God is already putting a huge amount of time and effort in preparing you for the work that he's designed for you to do, why do we resist? Are we calling God a liar? He never has lied in them yet. Even if you aren't being called to a specific ministry, God has called us all to be witnesses. And he's already been equipping you, me, all of us for that purpose He's been doing that since we first joined the church and realistically even before we joined the church. As a result, he's able to use you, me, 
everybody here to reach and to make disciples. We can't look at ourselves and say, I can't. That's, that's, that's rubbish. Sorry. Because he has already made us fit for purpose. We just have to realize that he's already equipped us and we are fit for purpose. We just have to have a little bit of faith. We just have to have a little bit of confidence and a little bit of boldness and, and do things that might be a little bit uncomfortable. He's able to use us. We just need to be willing to go, to start, to be intentional. He's called us all to be disciples, to be a part of the church. Ephesians 4 and 11. It's talking about the church. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. We're talking about the church working together. Till we all come in the unity of the faith. Yeah, we need to grow in unity in the faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God. Yeah, we need to grow into knowing God more. Unto a perfect man. God calls us, changes us into his image from glory to glory. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He is our role model. He is the one that God is calling us to be more like. He's the one that is changing us to be more like from day to day. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. We should be rock solid in the word. We should be rock solid in what God has put in his word. We should know what the Bible says. We shouldn't hear things that other people say or other churches say and say, well, hang on, that sounds right. No, we should know the word of God. We should be strong. We should, we should be able to stand and know what is right and wrong. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, whole body, not just some parts of the body, but the whole body, fitly joined together. We're talking about fit for purpose. We're talking about precision engineered. We're talking about a U-shaped well, hole in the body that's missing if you're not there. There's a Sister Sheila-shaped hole, not hole, but a part in the body which she's filling. There's a part of the body for each of us to be, that God has designed us to be in and to work in and, and to help the body in and to encourage the body in. He has made us fit for purpose in the church, in this local assembly. And compacted by that which every joint supplies, we should be, we should be putting into the body. We should be helping the body. We should be encouraging the body. We should be helping the body to grow according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. He's made us fit for purpose, to do a job, to do something in this body. Makes increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. We as saints are made fit for purpose in the body of Christ, especially our local church. As long as we are willing to listen to the fivefold ministry, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, and allow God to change us through his spirit. He is making us fit for purpose within this local assembly here in Perth. You don't feel like you're fit for purpose? 
then start looking to encourage someone else in the church. Then start, um, start allowing God to mould you and shape you more inside to be more like him. He's equipping and directing us into his greater plan. And if you're just a visitor here this morning, if maybe you're not even here to, to worship God in the first place, God knows the future from the past. God knew that you would be in this place tonight, and today. Um, it's not quite night yet. And he's calling you. You might say, I've been through so much junk, God, God couldn't use me. The most powerful people in the church are those that have been through a whole heap of junk. And God has, 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 has changed and filled and, and, and gotten rid of all of the, the, the bitterness and the junk. And, and they're perfectly fit together to be used for his purpose and his plan. And they can help others in the same situation. The fact that we go through junk just makes us more fit for purpose in his kingdom. And you, you, can, you, you can look back at your life and, and, you know, God doesn't just make us fit for purpose when we start saying, okay, God, I'm going to follow you. But throughout lives, he's been trying to mold and shape you. He's been trying to bring you closer to him. And all we have to do is respond to him. All we have to do is allow him to do what he wants to do in our lives. He loves each and every one of us and he calls us. He, he, he wants to mold and to shape us and to make us more like him. He calls each and every one of us this morning. If you could stand this morning and if I could get someone to... The Lord loves you this morning. And your whole life has been a backdrop to the purpose and the plan that he has for your life. God knew that you were going to be in this place this morning. God knew that you, someone may have just asked you to come along. Yeah, God knew that. And he's speaking to you this morning. And if you're in the church and you've been struggling with, with where God has been leading and, and taking you, you've been struggling with some of the junk you've had to go through, just say, God, now's the time to say, God, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why I'm going through this, but I know you have a bigger purpose. I know you have a bigger plan for my life. And if I need to go through this junk to fulfill your purpose... And help me, Lord, to have the right attitude. Help me to be able to, to learn from this what I need to learn because I want to be fitly put together. I want to be fit for purpose. I want to be precision engineered for that, that role you want me to play in the body, outside of the body, outside of the, ch in the church, outside of the church because you call us, you mold us, you shape us, but we have to be a part of the journey. If we resist, then God can't do what he wants to do in our lives. If we surrender to him, and if this is your first time in the church, all you have to do is respond. I'm going to open up the front 
of the church. And if you want to come and kneel or stand and just pray and reach out to God and say, I want you to mold and shape me. I want to be what you want me to be. I know that you are calling me. I know you're drawing me. I feel your tug in my heart. I feel you're trying to do something in my life. None of us are junk. None of us are worthless. It doesn't matter what the world would tell you, what people. They might have been told you've been worthless right from the, the very time you were, you were young. You could understand. But that does not mean you are worthless. God is molding and shaping you. He wants to bring you into a perfect, a perfect part of the church because he loves you and he can, he can do amazing things with junk. He can do amazing things with junk. So I invite anyone who wants to respond to the word of the Lord this morning to come, to stand, to kneel, to reach out to God and just say, God, do in me what you want to do in me because you know everything. You have a design and a plan and a purpose for my life. Why don't you come this morning?